Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Well, welcome Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host Mark Reinbold and this is the House of Ephraim show today. And we do have with us today from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in in store for you, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here. And you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online that's via ustream.tv and we have one on friday night i teach one myself friday night you can become part of that there's also a wednesday midweek service and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time what an opportunity again that all is so again if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deck. And I really didn't want to get out of bed yet. <laughs> and I and I heard Steve. And I'm like, okay. And I laid there for about 30 minutes and I got this sermon. Or teaching or whatever you want to call it. Seeds come in all sizes. There's large seeds like avocado seeds. There's small seeds like tomato or in this area soybeans. And then there's little tiny seeds like lettuce and radishes. Now, how many of you have planted a garden? Okay. Flower bed? Yard. You understand seeds, right? Uh, you don't just go out there and just toss them out. You have to prepare the ground, right? And, and seeds have to be planted at a certain depth based on the size of the seed. Seeds travel in different ways. I one time, whenever I couldn't afford to buy seeds, I found out that on the Internet you can trade seeds with people. And I, I always collect seeds. It's just something I enjoy doing. And so I had these flower seeds, and so I just posted the kind I had and what I wanted. And, well, I had seeds come from all over the place. But seeds, seeds get transferred that way. They also get transferred because people buy them. They also get transferred by birds. Or by animals where, like, the cockaburs get caught on the, the fur of an animal. Sometimes seeds get transferred by the air or the wind. Has, it, has anybody ever taken a dandelion and blown? I think every child that's been around a dandelion has done that. And I still like to do that every once in a while. It's a little kid in me. Then there's the maple trees where the helicopters, the seeds come down and the wind blows them. They look like little helicopters coming down. And I can remember, and still, I, every once in a while I get around the kids and they're like, oh, we like the helicopters to watch them come down. The seeds are to reproduce. They come in all these different sizes, shapes, that they reproduce. And you know what? They reproduce after their own kind. If you plant maple seeds, you're not going to get tomatoes. If you plant radish seeds, you're not going to get a beautiful green lawn. It all produces after its kind. But seeds must be planted, and they must be cultivated. Now, God knew, he understood all about this. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. God understood about it. He set it up, and he didn't have to go to biology class to learn it. Chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Go down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So God definitely understood about gardens. To take care of it. I mean, at the end of the year, had weeds this high and you couldn't even get to the produce. It happens. 
Believe me, it happened. Well, those weeds weren't always there. Look over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. And Adam said, and unto Adam he said, God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee. Now, I've prepared the ground for the garden. I've tilled it. I've waited until it's the right amount of moisture in the dirt. If there wasn't, if the dirt was too sandy, I've added compost to it. Getting this seed bed perfect. And then I've diligently planted all these little seeds, covered it up, and waited for it to come up. And the rain comes, and I walk out there, and there's my little seeds all coming up. But what is that other stuff? I didn't plant those. It's the weeds. I didn't plant weeds. Where did they come from? The ground had been cursed. Those seeds or those weeds, they have this grand way of being there. Now, my father used to plow the garden under. And when he'd plow, he'd turn that dirt over a good 15 to 12 inches depending on how deep he set the plow. And when he did that, all those seeds from the weeds of the previous year, they got, they got dumped under down. Now, when a seed is planted too deep in the ground, it's too cold, and there's not enough sunshine for it to sprout and come up. So that seed lays dormant. It just lays there. But then the next year, when we plow it up, some of those seeds come up, and that's the reason why when I had this bed already planted it up, all of a sudden these seeds that I didn't plant came up. Do you know the definition of a weed? It's a plant that is growing somewhere you don't want it. You know, I pull, I pull those little maple seedlings out of my flower bed all the time. But we have a maple seedling that we want it to grow there. Well, I don't pull it up. Well, I baby that thing. We weed around it and we mulch it and we water it and we fertilize it and we talk to it. But all those others, I've been pulling them up and throwing them in the compost pile. I don't want them because there are weeds there. Now, what does this have to do with familiar spirits? Turns me to Matthew 13. Evidently, God planted that garden, and when Jesus came down, he said, okay, you guys got to understand about a garden. Chapter 13, verse 3. Now, Jesus has been standing on the side of the sea, and the crowd has gotten so big, they're about to push him into the, off into the, to the water, so he had to borrow someone's boat to, to speak from. In verse 3, he says, he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much root, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of root. 
or earth, excuse me. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no roots, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Go down in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. And he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and with joy receiveth it. He hath not root in himself, but endureth for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, what? When tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, help the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understands it, and also bears fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. You have received word. Most of you in here have been to at least three of these conferences. All of you have been listening to some form or other of the ministry here. And that is the word coming forth. That was seed sown into the garden of your heart. And that scripture that I reread about tribulation and persecution coming because of the word in verse 21. For some of you, that has happened. How do I know? I answer the phone. I read the email. And I pray. You're going through the going through. Help. Pray. But it's because of the word that was inside of you that you're going through this. And you have to go through it. Tribulation and persecution is going to come because of the word. How do you solve that? Quit listening to the word? No, that's not how you solve that. That's not how you solve it at all. What does the sower sow? The sower sows seeds. And your words that you speak are seeds. The words that you heard are seeds. You remember, not last quarterly, but the time before about the false prophets and prophecies and the importance of not listening to those words and the curse that comes on you and your family and their friends for listening to it and believing it? The words are seeds, and they get planted in our garden of our hearts. And those seeds are going to come up. And the reason there's tribulation and persecution for the word's sake is because you haven't had just this word come forth into your garden but you have all the other seeds that have been planted there. And darkness 
wants to stop you from growing up. Darkness can't afford for you to become a tree like that mustard seed where the bow of the air can rest. And they know that you want to serve God, that you want to further the kingdom of God, and if darkness lets you grow up in this, you are a detriment to them. So they're going to shut you down before you get started, if they can. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? It's not silver bells and cockle shells. Every word that you speak, you're planting a seed. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. Words are important. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. I'm sure everyone in here knows what this is. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Words are like seeds. People are planting weeds in your garden all the time. How are you going to weed that out? You're going to have to tear those words down. You're going to have to come against them. I recommend you take this scripture and get you a fluorescent green sticky note and write this on there, stick this in your prayer book, and or on the dashboard of the car, someplace where you're going to read it every day and be reminded that those words spoken against me, I condemn them in the name of Yeshua. I tear them down. Weed your garden. you got to weed it. Because if you don't, it's going to choke what you're trying to do. I should have told you to keep your fingers in Matthew, but I like to let your fingers do the walking through the white pages. Matthew 12. Your words are seeds. And seeds are going to grow. Sometimes they don't grow immediately. Sometimes you've planted them too early. Or you've planted them too deep. And those seeds aren't going to grow. Sometimes it begins to rain and, and it pounds down the ground. And here on the clay where, where I grew up, a good hard spring rain and then the hot sun come out and that ground becomes like concrete and those seeds aren't going to sprout. And I have to go back out there with the hoe and chisel around, being careful not to dig my seeds up, and break that dirt open and either water it or hope for another rain so that they can sprout. And that happens spiritually in our lives. That happens to us too. 
And we think, well, I spoke it. It should happen immediately. The seeds have to sprout, and they have to grow, and that takes time. I'm sure you found Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil seek good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give account thereof in the day of judgment. The words you speak are important. Even those little words that you mumble under your breath, and nobody knows you said it but you. God knows. He used to tell the kids, you know, Mommy can't always be with you. Mommy can't see everything you do, but you know the rules. And when you disobey the rules, I may not know, but unfortunately for them, sometimes God told me or told Dad. But I said, God knows. God knows, and he hears, and he sees, and you can't hide from God. You know, they've come back to me and they say, Mom, if you never taught us anything, you taught us we can't hide from God. Because every time we go and do something, we know He's telling And that's no fun. I said it worked. <laughs> if you didn't understand anything else, you understood that. But what is in the treasure of your heart? How are you going to know what's in your heart? I'll tell you how you're going to know. When the tribulations and the persecutions and the times of when everything turns that funny-looking brown happens, listen to what you are saying. What are you saying? I'm sick. I'm broke. It's not working. This is too hard. I don't want it anymore. It may be it's not true. That's what you have stored up in the treasure chest of your heart. Because that's what's coming out. And if that's what's coming out, guess what? Either the tree is good and the fruit good, or the tree is corrupt and the fruit corrupt. Now, we've gotten this idea here in in the church, that if you're going through the going through, your fruit is not good because you're going through this going through. But that's not true. You're going through that because the tribulation and the persecution for the word's sake came. The fruit is, how are you going to respond to the persecution and the tribulation? It's going to come forth out of your mouth when that happens. That's the fruit. Not the situation. The fruit is how are you responding. Some of you need to say, bad fruit.
Mark eleven twenty two. Mark eleven twenty two. Oh, this, this is, this is a very familiar, if any of you have studied faith, and I'm sure all of you had, you have, you know this one. Jesus answered, said to them, have faith in God. There's another one you ought to just put on a sticky note. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Now, did that say just special people like the prophet and his wife? No, it said whosoever. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Okay, so you have a mountain in your life. Right now, the checkbook's got double zeros. And there's this envelope that came in the mail that says, the electric bill's due in 10 days. And you've got a mountain going on. Because you know the double zeros isn't going to change in 10 days. You're going to have to pull forth from the treasure of your heart, and it's testing time. Do you really believe all that that you said about believing about prosperity? Or was you just saying that because it sounded good? You know, here here in this sanctuary, it's like a greenhouse. And, and we're here, and we're tending to you. Some of you needed to be transplanted into a bigger pot. And some of you needed pruned. And some of you, we didn't give you a bigger pot. We took you out of the one you had, trimmed off some of the roots, put a little fresh dirt in there and stuck you back in it. And you went, I wanted a bigger pot. Come on. It's been three months. Surely I've made some progress. And some of you, we feel like just putting you back in the compost pile and trying again later. Not really. (laughs) No. Not really. But you have mountains in your life. And you need to speak to those mountains. What do you believe? What have you, what have you put in? You know, I used to tell the kids, your brain is like a computer. What you program in it, is what's going to come forth. And if you program junk, guess what's going to come out? Junk. But if you program the good stuff, the good stuff's going to come out. And that's the reason why you are to be meditating the Word, speaking the Word, studying the Word, to get that into your heart. Because we all have familiar spirits. We all have certain ways to react to things that always, that's the way we react. Let me give you an example. My mother was a perfectionist. And when she got ready to fix a meal and it got time to to take it off the stove and put it on the table, and especially if it was a holiday and a special occasion and there was extra people, she became a nervous wreck. 
and she was bitey and snappy, and I hated to be in the kitchen with her at that time. Because it didn't matter what you did, it wasn't right, and you didn't do it the right time, and, and it was like, Mom, we do this with you every day. We know how to set the table, where to put the tea. We know how to do all these things. We know what bowl you put the corn in, all that. But because she had suddenly become nervous and was excited, it was just, it was just not fun. And I decided as a teenager, I'm not going to be that way. Now, I am not going to be that way. Guess what? Familiar spirits are very familiar. And sure enough, there I was in the kitchen snapping at my daughters, telling them, I told you, put the tea in this picture, not in that picture. What picture? What did it matter? What did it matter? And at the end of the occasion, I'm sitting there going, oh, dear Lord, I'm my mother. And I decided I wasn't going to be that way. And so I began to work at it. Do you think that happened overnight? No. I had to really work at it. I had to tell myself that, you know what, it didn't matter if the meal got on the table at 12 o'clock or if it was five minutes afterwards, even though the prophet was standing there pointing at his watch. It really didn't matter because it was only going to take him five minutes to eat anyway. I mean, honestly, you work for an hour preparing that meal and they devour it five minutes, step back and groan about how uncomfortable they are because they overate. And you got bent out of shape the last ten minutes, ruined the peace in the family with your daughters because they put the tea in the wrong picture. No, 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 no. And I began to work at it. But I had to work at it. I had to, I had to go and apologize. And then I found scriptures about peace. I found scriptures about being organized. I searched my Bible for any kind of scripture I could find that had to deal with me getting rid of that familiar thing in my life. But I labored at it. I planted seeds. I planted seeds. I planted seeds. I pulled out the weeds. I pulled out the weeds. I pulled out the weeds. And you know what? I achieved it. But every once in a while, it sticks its ugly little head up and says, don't you want to get nervous now? I still battle. But I'm winning. I'm winning. Matthew. Verse, chapter 15, verse 11. Your words are important. And you know, we, we live in a country that words are so important that we have cell phones so that we can make sure that everybody can talk to us anytime they want to talk to us. I mean, communication is important in this country. I just can't believe it. We have a... Eight-year-old granddaughter's got her own cell phone, I'm going. Eight years old, and she has a cell phone? Well, that's... Well, I won't go there. 15, verse 11. Now, that which goes into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defiles a man. It's not you are what you eat. It's you are what you say. What comes out that defiles you? 
You guys came in here and you said, we're going to keep Sabbath, we're going to keep the festivals, we're going to keep new moon, we're going to listen to what this prophet's saying, we're going to study his word, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then you went home. And you did it for a while, and then it got inconvenient. And then you got confused. And then the persecution came. And now then you're going, I don't know. And I've told several of you, I've told several of you that sitting under a prophet is not easy. In fact, turn, this is a sidetrack, won't cost you extra. Turn with me to Jeremiah. Keep your fingers there in Matthew. We'll be back, I'm sure. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 10. See, I have set this day, set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build up, and to plant. That's what a prophet does. Now, if you'll notice here in the adjectives, there's root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, build, and plant. Guess what it looks like the prophet spends most of his time doing? Ripping up your garden. Pulling things out of your life. And you know what? It hurts. It hurts. Have you ever went to weed? And, and some of those roots, those weeds, they spread out. And, and if they spread out far enough and they're growing right next to the plant that you want there, you're going to have to put your hand there right next to it when you pull that weed out or it's going to pull out the good plant. And if that good plant's at a certain stage and you try to plant it back, it's just not going to make it. But it hurts. There's other roots that are like paper roots that go down deep and you're going to have to get a knife or something sharp and you're going to have to dig down and pull that out and you're going to have to pull hard and you have to be strong when you do it. And if you leave part of it in there, that baby's going to grow again. And that's the prophet's job. And most people, most people leave when he's doing the root out, the pull down, the tear down, and the pull up. That's, that's when they leave because they're going, that hurts, I don't want my garden weeded like that. Well, I had a nice looking garden till you came in. Have you ever, have you ever looked at the garden right after somebody went through and weeded it? Well, it looks like a mess. There's little pieces of weeds and, and part of the dirt's turned up and, well, it looks messy. And I like a garden that looks nice and neat. But if you stick around, he will also plant and build. But that doesn't happen until after he gets done doing all the other things. Like I said, that didn't cost you any extra, just a little sidetrack. Matthew 8, 8. So what you say, the things that come out of your mouth are what defile a man. Matthew 8, 8. Now this is a, this is a really wonderful happening here. Jesus, the centurion has come and asked Jesus because his servant is, is sick. And the centurion said unto to Jesus, to the Lord, he says, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. 
For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So the centurion understood the power of words. Because he understood the servant and the, and, and the authority. You have been given authority. And you, the words you speak get planted into your garden, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to work on that. Just like Tom was talking about, your spirit works things out for you. If you're speaking, speaking positive things, that's what it's going to work out. If you're speaking the, the doom and gloom things, that's what it's going to try to work out. The centurion here, and whenever I was working on these things in my life, I, found, I saw this. He said, speak the word only. I underlined that in my Bible, wrote it out on the side. I got sticky notes in front of my mirror, on the counter, kitchen cabinet, on the dashboard of the car, the mirror in the bedroom, and it all says, speak the word only, because I wanted to remind myself to speak God's word. Whatever the situation was, speak the word only. And that's how I began to overcome. That's how I kept planting good seeds in my garden. James, chapter 3. James is hiding back there behind Hebrew. I forgot to set my timer. Chapter 3, starting in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man or a mature man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, he's just being real honest there. Most of us, we let our mouths run away with itself, and we usually hurt someone's feelings. And invariably, people wear their feelings right up here, close to their ears. It's right here on their shoulders. And they get their feelings hurt easily. But if you're able to not offend in word, you're able to bridle the whole body. Three, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they turn about with very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Do your words have power? Now, I haven't had a lot of opportunity with ships. But I do understand the bit in a horse's mouth. Because I had a pony when I was growing up. And this pony had a mind of her own. And when I wanted to go this way, if she wanted to go that way, I couldn't just give a little tug on the rein and she go that way. Oh, no. I had to get rough with this pony. 
I had to pull her so hard that I was afraid I was going to hurt her lip. And then she would go that way. Usually had to gouge her in the side a little bit because she wanted to go the other way. But because of that small little metal bit that was stuck in her mouth, I could guide her wherever I wanted her to go as long as she understood I was boss. Now you have a tongue. You know, sometimes the kids say things and do things and you go and you ask them and they go, I don't know why I did that. You know, you never outgrow that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said that, God. I really didn't mean it. I'm healed. You are going to have to bridle your tongue. Put tape over your mouth. Do something. Quit planting weeds in your garden. You're going to go through tribulation and persecution because of the Word. Don't make it worse by planting weeds in there. Because that's what's happened. Have you ever walked up to a garden that was so full of weeds you couldn't see the good plants? You've never been assigned to weed that plot of ground. That's fun. Many times I'd tell the kids, go weed that flower bed for me. Well, we don't know which is flowers and which is weeds. I'm like, oh, yes, you do, because I taught them. They knew. They just didn't want to do it. We get that way, too. Oh, gee, I don't, I don't want to know which is the weeds and which is good. Let's just plow the whole thing up, forget it, and go home. Now, this is where Tom took my illustration today. You need to find out what you are saying. Because you know what? We lie to ourselves. We do. Well, I don't ever say anything wrong. I always speak the Word of God about a situation. Do you? Do you really? Walking down through the, through the store and you look at the price of something you really like and you go, I can't afford that. Well, what did you just do to your prosperity confession? What do you mean you can't afford that? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What does it matter to pay two cents more for that than, than what you wanted to pay? Or a dollar more? Now, believe me, I am a bargain shopper. I'll rub the head right off of a nickel. <laughs> but don't let that come out of your mouth and destroy what you're believing God for. You need to get you a little, a little bitty notebook. And you need to start keeping a tally. And when you say something like that, you need to mark it down. I planted a weed. And when you say something right, mark it down. And at the end of the day, tally it up. And be honest with yourself. Oh, well, I said that, but I'm not going to mark it down because that don't count. Oh, yes, it does count. Because who hears everything you say? God does. And so do those familiar spirits here. They hear what comes out of your mouth. They don't hear what you're thinking. And I can look at that price tag and go, in my mind, I can get a better price for that. But I don't have to destroy what I'm praying to God for for my finances by speaking out the wrong thing. And that's how it works. You are going to have to put a watch on your mouth. 
And you're going to have to pay attention to what you're saying. Because those familiar spirits, they are familiar with you. And they know what's going to set you off. They know, just like your husband or wife know. Whenever you get in a situation, let's say I'm cooking and I've got that crowd coming and things didn't go right, the oven didn't get heated up quick enough or something I was mixing up, I didn't have the right ingredients and so I'm running late on the situation and I'm sitting here battling, I'm not going to act like my mother, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape by this. But you know what? Every one of my family know that the buttons are being pushed that mama's probably going to start getting snappy and upset because they're familiar. And those familiar spirits, they're sitting there helping the buttons be pushed because they're going, we're going to get her this time. We're going to get her this time. We're going to get her this time. And you're going to have to say, oh, no, we're not. You know, if you have to go into the bathroom and pray in tongues for two minutes to get yourself settled down, do it. Two minutes isn't going to matter for the rest of it. But get yourself calm down, get yourself in the right state of mind so that you're not going to sit and plant the wrong word. Speak the word only. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. How many of us are wise? You want to be speaking health. Your tongue is going to be speaking health. Because you want to be, because that's, that's going to be health to your garden if you're speaking the right thing. But your tongue, the words you speak, like a sword. You ever been around people who could say things and touch you deep? Cut deep into your heart. You, it's a spiritual battle that you are fighting. It's not just everyday chit-chat. It's a spiritual battle. And you have decided to be on the front line. Because you decided that you are going to change your life. And that puts you right in the middle of warfare. And you need to be seeking help. Turn with me to Matthew 4, and we're going to close up. I'm not Matthew, Mark. We're going to let Mark say something. Mark chapter 4. Behold, there, verse 3, Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, and because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, and withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundred. Verse 14, The sower soweth the word. 
And these are they which by the wayside, when the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away. You're going to be tired. You're going to have to deal with traffic. And you have a job to go to come Monday morning. wonder what it's going to be like in the car. Are you going to be grumpy with one another? Are you going to get an argument? Oh, for a while you're going to bask in the memory of the weekend. Ask me how I know this. Satan comes immediately to steal what was planted in your heart. And the familiar spirits in your life are going to say, watch this. And whatever it is that he always does that aggravates you to no end, it's going to happen. And whatever it is that you always say when he does that, they're betting you're going to say it. Now, you are awful quiet. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Most of you are going to walk out of here with smiles on your face, and you're going to hug our necks and thank us for having you here and how wonderful the week is. And I just hope and pray that by Tuesday morning that you still got that smile on your face, and you're still happy, and you're still treating each other so wonderful and nice. Because you know what? We're going to kick you out of the greenhouse. And you're going to get put out there in that old nasty world where there's wind, there's rain, there's sun, there's birds, there's dogs, there's cats. And it's not going to be fun. You're a tough lot and you're going to make it. And I have confidence. We have confidence in that. Yes, we do. We believe that you're going to persevere. Because if we didn't, we'd just close up shop and go home. Okay, what verse was I on? That takes care of him coming immediately. Let's see, I'm in Mark chapter 4. Okay, that's why I can't find it. Uh, verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundred. Now let me tell you something. We all like that hundredfold. But get real. It doesn't always happen hundredfold. I've believed God for things in my life, and I've worked, and I've worked at it, and i prayed, and I believed, and I spoke the Word, did everything that I was supposed to do, and I only got 30-fold. Unfair, unfair, unfair. No. No. Sometimes that's just the way it happens. And we, we don't have control over that. See, I was raised on a farm. And, and Dad would plant corn and soybeans, 
And at the end of the year, he would harvest it, and then he would figure up how many bushels to an acre that he got out of that. And do you know what? It was different every year. Did he do anything different? No. He planted the seeds, he cultivated it, he sprayed it, and he, he harvested it. He, he went out with his, with the, the machete, and he would walk those bean fields, and he would cut them, them, he called them pigweed, out of the beans. And he'd do that for weeks in a hot, humid July, August weather. I even had a boyfriend one time I didn't want around anymore. I said, Dad, take him to the field. I bet he won't come back now. <laughs> it worked. It worked. He didn't want to work. <laughs> but it it was based on the weather. It was based on the quality of the seed. It was based on a lot of things as to what the what the harvest was going to be. But did Dad stop planting seeds? Did he quit being a farmer because I didn't get a hundred foals last year? No. You keep doing it. So you prayed for healing. And you didn't, it didn't manifest 100% the way you wanted it to. So you came in line and you believed God for a miracle and it didn't happen that way and you're going to have to walk through it in a year. Let God be God. This isn't a magic wave the wand and everything's going to be right in our lives. God wants to take you through the hard knocks of life so that you can be a help to the kingdom. And if he just zapped you right now so that everything was wonderful and perfect the way we'd like it to be, do you know how helpful you would be the first time someone came to you with a problem in their life? You wouldn't know what to tell them because you've not been there. You've not experienced that. And you'd say, well... I just prayed and believed and it happened and, it, and they would go home and go, well, how come it didn't work that way for me? You see, some of us have been lied to. We've been told by people that it happened that easy and we believed them. But it sounds good. But it's not that easy. It's not that easy. But it's worth it. It is worth it. Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? How does it grow? What kind of seeds have you planted? You guys need to go home and look in your seed closet and start pulling some of them out and saying, I'm, I'm not planting those anymore. That is going to be the, the result of what you're going to experience in the next few months. The words you're speaking today will come up. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe 20 years from now. They'll come up, and you'll have to deal with them. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Donna Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprofit.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more, uh, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprofit.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprofit.com. Shalom.
Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.